Let's go shopping for our spiritual clothes. Part 1 by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor As we have studied in previous blasts, there is a new species of mankind on the planet. They are growing, maturing, and changing daily according to God's plan for restoration. They are dressed much different than those of the world. Those just beginning the walk might therefore ask themselves, Are we spiritually dressed in the fashion outlined by the Lord for His bride? As man awaits the beckoning of the Lord to re-enter his garden, are they dressed in the required royal robes? Or will they still be found naked as were Adam and Eve after the fall? God's people are rapidly moving away from Judaism and Christianity. In fact, they are coming out of all the world's religions and are heading quickly towards the age of immortality, the church glorious, the triumphant church. Now they must make sure they are fully and properly dressed for the new season. Their old clothes were good enough to attend the Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Pentecost. In fact, they were dressed okay for even trumpets and atonement. But as for tabernacles, and to be one's chosen as an intimate guest invited to stay for Sheminiatzeret and Simchat Torah, they must be in full array. The dress code is formal for these final feasts. Only those who are dressed for these special occasions and have their bodies prepared with the special oils given to those that have moved forward into the eighth day will have the approval of God and be a sweet aroma finding acceptance from the King. Will Jesus extend the scepter of righteousness to you as an invitation to join Him in these final feasts? Are you sure you will not be denied? Are you appropriately dressed? For those that cannot answer yes to the above questions or perhaps do not quite understand what I'm talking about, let me explain. In the beginning, before Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden, they were spiritually fully clothed. Their eyes could see these clothes even as their father saw them, because they were created in his image. They could see with spiritual eyes or through the eyes of their spirit. In his image means, of course, they also had his morals. Therefore, they were always dressed appropriately, the way the family of God is expected to dress. When they sinned, they lost these divine clothes, however, and they began to see into this realm, becoming aware their bodies were naked. Controlled by their spirit, fully dressed in their spiritual clothes, Adam and Eve were not ashamed of their nude bodysuit, but without their clothes, their flesh became apparent and they were mentally distraught, embarrassed, and did not want the Lord to see them. They became deceptive and cunning, even hid from Him, or should I say, tried to. Man cannot really hide from God, can they? This scenario is recorded in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, and Genesis chapter 3, 
verses 6 through 8. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, before the fall. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You see, at this point, because they saw through the eyes of their spirit and knew only the knowledge of God, all they saw and understood was his kingdom. In other words, they were spirit beings that had a soul and lived in a body that had been created to enable them to live on this planet. Their spirit man was in full control of their life. What they sensed was directed by their mind to their spirit, not their souls. So before they sinned, their spirit was clothed appropriately for the spirit realm and God's earthly kingdom. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 shows us the result of their disobedience, however. So when the woman saw she had touched minds with Satan, her eyes were opened to this realm, that the tree, Satan, was good for food, food for thought, that is, that it was pleasant to the eyes. He was an angel of light, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She wanted more of his knowledge. She took of its fruit and ate, the fruit of his lies. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And mankind has been feasting on the thinking of this tree ever since. A side note. God refers to beings as trees. Let us look at Isaiah chapter 61 for an example. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, speaking of people, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Eve did not eat from an apple tree to make her wise. She feasted on the knowledge of the enemy. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Their mind now relayed what they saw to their soul, because their spirit man died. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves coverings. The first man-made clothes. Now they could see into this soulish realm, Satan's domain, for the first time. They saw and recognized evil, realizing immediately their mistake. But it was too late. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. God immediately saw there were no longer spirit beings. They had chosen to become flesh and blood mankind, ones that over time would mature into the image of Satan. Just as he had appropriately covered the spirit man, he now covered the physical body suitably for a carnal man, one governed by his soul. Genesis 3 discusses this covering. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So what were the clothes the spirit of man wore? First, let me explain that when man is born again, their spirit man is resurrected to new life and their soul begins to take on the spirit man's personality. The body, once again, becomes the home of the newborn spirit as well as the soul. God will gladly once again dress the spirit man who is in his image and connected to him. So let us begin to look for the clothes Adam and Eve lost, because they are even now being placed on mankind as God restores the new species to their original state. Mankind will one day be completely clothed and in His image again. To begin the quest to understand exactly what these clothes are, let us look at Psalm chapter 132 verse 9 and verse 16. Psalm 132 verse 9 Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. Psalm 132 verse 16 I will also clothe her priests with salvation and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. So we have found the first bit of clothing, salvation and righteousness. This may sound very simplistic, but is very serious. Man can lose their salvation by not being righteous, leaving them naked. We see these particular clothes again in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Did you know that the actual physical clothing the early priests, God's government, were instructed to wear were symbolic of these robes? Exodus chapter 39 verses 27 through 29 tells us. They made tunics, artistically woven of fine linen, for Aaron and his sons, who were God's chosen priests. A turban of fine linen, exquisite hats of fine linen, short trousers of fine woven linen, and a sash of fine woven linen with blue, chosen color of Israel, purple, color of divinity, and scarlet thread, blood of Christ, made by a weaver, the craftsmen, the fivefold ministers, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now let us look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 8 to see what the linen actually stood for. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. And to her, talking about the bride of Christ, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So linen 
is symbolic of the robes of righteousness. A righteous walk is rewarded with these robes. Righteousness is being in right standing with God. What if man chooses to not walk totally in righteousness? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. The world teaches these are accepted by God. But how can they be? They will not be wearing robes of righteousness. Then there are robes of separation, which are another piece of the missing apparel. In Numbers, chapter 19, we find scripture foretelling this future clothing. God gives the command to kill a red heifer and put her ashes in water. Numbers, chapter 19, verse 2. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. The heifer was slaughtered and completely burned before the priest. Numbers chapter 19 verse 9 Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. They shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel, for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. This water, with the ashes of the heifer in it, is called interchangeably the water of separation, in the old King James, and the water of purification, in the spirit-filled new King James Version. So separation purifies, and purification separates. So think about this. Man has to be separate to be pure, and pure to be separate. The question is, what are they to be separate of? I caution you, the next portion of Scripture can only be understood through the eye of discernment. The red heifer is symbolic of the dead Adamic church, composed of both Judaism and Christianity, that has sadly now become a part of Babylon. The truth released to both of these witnesses can still cleanse man from Satan's lies and light the way for the born again to find the narrow path to the eighth day. But the sin found in her, like the red heifer, must burn. Revelation chapter 18 verse 8 fulfills the prophecy. Therefore her, Babylon, plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. They were to also wash their old clothes, symbolic of their Adamic covering, they would try to hide the enemy influence on them and cover the fact that they are puppets guided by Satan's knowledge. Look at the apparel of the church today. All their regal vestments, no matter how holy they appear to be, 
will not conceal the fact they are still a part of Babylon and the altered race of mankind. One's crossed with angels and definitely not a part of the new species. So, if man has moved on, passed over to the Eighth-day Church, where is the red heifer today? Let's go back and look at Numbers chapter 19, verse 2 again. She is red, as covered by blood. No blemish, no defeat, and no yoke has been put on her. She's not yoked or tied to the enemy or mankind that he rules. She must be a part of God's rest, as she doesn't toil. She does God's works, not her own. Easy to see, she is the church glorious, the triumphant church, set free from Babylon, jubilee through Christ, owned by the Father, the new species. She will not be burned, because she came out of Babylon, obedient to Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. You see, God reveals things in the natural to help flesh and blood man understand the spiritual. Now, with the information above in mind, let us look at the garments of those who followed the Lamb in Revelation chapter 7. We will see they are the ones wearing robes that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And these robes, as explained by the Strong's Concordance, are guess what? Robes of separation. They are the fulfillment of the prophecy concerning the red heifer. They died into Christ's death, were purified of all sin, and separated from their old life in the water of baptism. They resurrected to a new life through the resurrection of Christ, or in other words, were reborn through the word of God. See Revelation chapter 19 verse 13. They were then nourished to maturity through the end-time knowledge of God, metamorphosing into flesh of His flesh, and through separation, becoming bone of His bone. Obedient to the command to come away from the world, they are one with Christ, the new species. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, is obeyed by them. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. This scripture is talking about separating from the unclean world and its people as well as the unclean spirits in the supernatural. To understand better the unclean spirits, let us look at Enoch, the seventh from Adam, in chapter 15, verses 8 through 12, which further explains Genesis chapter 6 to us as well. Enoch, chapter 15, verses 8 through 12. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies, 
because they're born from men, and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. Side note. The angels were created for the heavens, and in the heavens they are to dwell. Man was created for earth, and all born through him must abide on earth. Even when they were killed, their spirits had to remain here, and so does man. Paradise is the kingdom of God, here on earth, not seen by flesh and blood. Let us look at what these evil spirits do. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food. They don't have bodies. But nevertheless, hunger and thirst, and cause offenses. They live through the bodies of mankind, thus addictions of all kinds. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women, because they have proceeded from them. These are the unclean evil spirits we should not touch. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 7 On the other hand, shows who are those in the natural that are unclean ones, that the new species of man are to separate from. But fornication in all uncleanness or covetousness let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, or unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Verse 7 is worth repeating again. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not connect in any way. Here is why the new species are not to associate with them or the world they rule. Look at Isaiah's warning to the unclean. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 2 through 6 But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. He won't even hear the prayers of the disobedient makes one wonder, when people walk in these things, how can they think they hear from God, or that it is His anointing that they are operating in? The unclean are people that may even know truth, but refuse to walk in it. So God will allow them to be fooled by Satan into believing the lie, that they're still okay with the Lord. But here is what God feels. For your hands are defiled with blood, 
and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Here is why we do not want to be connected to them or even touched by these ones. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies spiritually. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. They reproduce like kind, altered ones with both angel and man in their genetics, ones led by unholy spirits. That viper can turn out to be us, if someone does not sprinkle the water of separation or purification on us. In other words, teach us the truth about separation, being born again, and give us the chance to wash clean our clothes that have touched this kind. We will be spiritually naked as far as God is concerned if we do not do this. See verse 6. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works, the predestined righteous works of God, for robes of righteousness. Their works are works of iniquity, their own, and the act of violence is in their hands. You see, those not born again, separate from the enemy and the world systems, are just as naked as Adam and Eve were. And this nakedness comes about for the very same reason. The command, don't touch, don't taste, was and is disobeyed. This command is still in effect for all of humanity. You can see why man must be born again. Those that are not have no part in God's kingdom and are still a part of the mixed species of angels and man. Note also in the above scripture, those who are teaching moldy manna, allowing iniquity in their midst, even misleading others, is in God's mind an act of violence. Babylon, my friends, invented these things. In closing, please keep all we have discussed in mind. In the next blast, we will look at the world's churches to better understand why God says to come out of her, speaking of Babylon, and why he counsels to be separate. As for our spiritual clothes, we have so far found robes of salvation, robes of righteousness, robes of dignity and separation. Let us, however, keep right on shopping till we are fully dressed, bringing to fruition Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. For in this we groan, earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, 
that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Those fully clothed will not die.